everyone. I'm Carrie. I'm Will. And this is the Baseball and Training Podcast, where a husband and wife get together and discuss the current happenings in Major League Baseball. It's Monday, May 15th, 2023 at 7.41 p.m. To be specific. And we're both back in recovery mode. Huh? Will potentially with a stomach bug situation. And me from my wife Lorette weekend. We also have Annie here who's recovering from being the cutest thing to have ever existed <laughs> in life itself. Life is so hard for her. We don't have any fangrams for this week, but we do have a new way to submit fangrams. So if you haven't checked out the new website yet, go do that baseballandchain.com and also make sure to follow us on Spotify and click the notification bell so you get notifications when new episodes are posted. Bong. We're going to start off with Monday through Wednesday, Thursday series and news. And we're going to start off with injuries, just like we did last time. Some significant players are had some injury updates. Max Freed from the Braves, probably their best starting pitcher outside of maybe Spencer Strider. He has a left forearm strain, and he's going on the IL, projected to miss approximately two months. So, not good. Definitely not good. I think the Braves also have a couple other pitch- pitching injuries right now that are keeping them from playing their best. So, but that's a big loss. I know that I should be trying to f- remain unbiased here, but the more we lose people, I want them to lose. I want everyone to lose people too. Next up. DeGrom is projected to miss another two to three weeks with elbow inflammation. Yeah, so he was already on the injured list, and he was... There was, like, no updates or something, and then they finally said that he's going to be another couple weeks. And you just kind of hope that it doesn't end up being a surgery because he's already dealt with a bunch of injuries in the last couple years. Isn't elbow inflammation usually the bad sign before Tommy John's? Well, it can be like forearm strain was what they called Springs injury before he had to get surgery. And then, but yeah, elbow strain or inflammation can also be a sign that you might need it. But it could also just be that they take out some loose bodies or something is what they call it that's gross yeah know what else is gross the rays losing yeah the rays lose a series to the orioles yep the orioles are overperforming their predictions that a lot of people had for them going into this year um their starting pitching was not projected to 
do well at all. And they were really good in this series. They limited the Rays offense, which is the best in baseball to um, three runs in the first game, which was a game that the Rays won. And then the rest of the series, I think they only scored three total. The Orioles are so good that if you don't do the small things in baseball, right? Like the things that you, the fundamentals that you need to do to have a clean game, then they're going to take advantage of them. There was one play that stood out to me specifically based off of that, where Santander hit a single into like left center. I think, I'm not sure it was left center. It was in a center field. Santander hit a single into center field and Siri um, scooped the ball and the Orioles runner that was on first rounded second and started going to third. And Siri, either he was trying to throw it to the cutoff and he just overthrew them like it sailed on him or he was trying to throw the run out at third and the Santander, who had hit the single, was able to move up to second. And then both of those runs ended up scoring, whereas if you had first and third with one out, I think it was, you could have had a chance to turn a double play. Or if you only got one guy out on a ground ball, then he would only be at second instead of third base. I think that's exactly what happened is there was a ball that was hit to the second base side of second and it allowed the runner from third to score and then it allowed Santander to move over to third and then he scored on another hit and that ended up being the difference I think. I think that the Rays also have a knack for getting in their own head like they go into it knowing that they have the potential to do really well and then if they are not just doing really well it discourages them a little in other news kenley jansen earns his 400th career save versus the braves he is only the seventh player all time to achieve that mark yeah i think you know some of the other six names in that list is like marion rivera trevor hoffman guys like that so Pretty elite company. Very nice, very nice. Also, baseball's been around for over 100 years, so pretty crazy. We spent a lot of time shitting on the Cardinals last episode for their decision-making, but they ended their series last week against the Tigers with a win, and they followed that up by going into Chicago to Wrigley Field and taking a series against the Cubs. As the first time that Wilson Contreras had gone back to Wrigley Field since signing with the Cardinals, and he received pretty loud boos from the crowd. Um, he made some comments in the offseason that he thinks the Cardinals are a better run organization and that he liked things better over there than with the Cubs, which is kind of ironic to look back on since they're making really questionable moves and 
saying that he shouldn't be playing catcher, which is what they signed him to do. So, but yeah, they did take the series from the Cubs two to one. I think that it's very interesting to see that some fans respond really poorly and some fans respond very kindly to players coming back for the first time. Like how there are play clock violations because of the ovation and then some people just get booed to shit. I mean, he'd sign with a division rival. So... If you're respected, it doesn't matter who you're playing for. They're going to be glad to see you. I wouldn't, I'm not going to be happy to see KK when he comes back to the drop. As a Blue Jay. Right, but how did we react when Brett Phillips came back as an Oriole? Brett Phillips and Kevin Kiermeyer are two different circumstances. We already talked about that. That's exactly my point. You get some people who are so well-respected that people are glad for them to be back. Then you get people like Contreras who fuck shit up, and when they come back, all they get is booed. That's literally my exact point. Well, he wanted, I mean, he wanted to stay with the team, but they said that they're saying the same things that the Cardinals are saying right now, that they, he wasn't, he's not a catcher. Like they didn't want him to stay with the team because he's like not a good catcher. And so he made some comments about how they didn't want to keep him and, or his comments were probably based off his feelings about how they didn't want to keep keep him and he said that he likes how the Cardinals do things better. And then now the Cardinals are saying, well, we're going to have you just DH instead of catch. So. And then the Cardinals are trash. And it was actually some of the pitchers on the Cardinals that are involved in convincing the coaches to not have him play catcher. Yikes. And that news came out. This past week, I think. So that's super awkward. How? Well, that hurts. Yeah. But winning cures everything, as they say, and as we kind of know. And the Cardinals continued off of their series win against the Cubs by sweeping the Boston Red Sox. And the games, they were into the Thursday to Sunday games now. Very short wrap-up of the early week, but um, you're welcome for the motivation, Cardinals. Since we trashed you guys last week, you guys have put together a pretty good week. Um, that's 5-1 and one this week since our last recording. Excellent. The sweep included a pretty wild comeback against Kinley Jansen, which they strung together with... The sweep included a comeback against Kinley Jansen in which Wilson Contreras, who seems to be at the center of everything Cardinals now, threw off his timing, which led to a walk on two pitch clock violations. Um, Contreras 
would appear to be ready with his head up and bat up, but he would keep one foot out of the box with time still above eight seconds. And Jansen would come set as if he was ready to pitch, but he's not allowed to because the batter wasn't completely in the box. He was warned for it by the umpire, but proceeded to do it again before delivering the pitch in the same count and was assessed for a ball. Then, because Kenley Jansen is typically slow and methodical in his regular delivery, after he waited for Contreras to get in the box, Goldschmidt, who was on first, was able to time up a steal based on the clock being almost zero and easily stole second. And then, since his timing was disrupted, Jansen threw two consecutive pitches out of the zone to make it 3-1 to one, three one count. And Contreras did the same move that he had done before and Jansen gave up the automatic walk um, because he again got set too early when Contreras wasn't ready. But they took the lead against the Red Sox in the ninth inning and you know Jansen has a has had a very up and down week because he gets his 400th save and then I think he's blown two saves since then. Watching the video, I just don't understand how, when you look at Contreras standing outside of the box, how could you possibly think that you should get set and throw the ball? Like, he very clearly was not ready to go. Right. I mean, it's just Jansen's having a hard time with the clock, I guess, because he, when he gets set, he doesn't just immediately pitch. He, like, winds his glove in, like, a circular motion to get like his shoulders set and then he shuffles his feet a little bit and then he throws the pitch. So it was just really fucking around with his timing and it, it ended up making him give up a walk and then he was just thrown off the rest of the inning pretty much. I think his getting set thing is really strange because when I was watching it, it looks like he like, cracks his back super hard in, like, a weird glove motion. Yeah. It, it used to be longer before the pitch clock, so, yeah. He used to take his time. He was one of the ones that people were expecting to have a really hard time with it before they put it, they instituted it. Well, clearly he is. Just, yeah. you know, not how you expect, I guess. Or maybe it is. I know if I was him, I'd be so mad at Contreras for being douchey about it. Like, that would, for real, super throw me off my game, which is exactly what he was trying to do. So, I'll be honest, I don't really watch, I haven't really watched the Cardinals games, like, live. I, so, I don't know if that's something Contreras does all the time, or if he was just trying to screw up his, his timing. Um, because the announcers were saying that he typically does keep a foot out of the box, I think, in the video that we watched. But I don't know if he waits until, like, the last second before eight seconds to get in or or what. Interesting. Yeah, but Cardinals are seem like they're maybe getting their shit together. So something to keep an eye on over the next couple weeks. 
see if they can get back to 500 and then maybe back within a competitive distance of the lead for the division. Because, as we've said before, I had them winning it, I believe, before the year. I think you had the Brewers. Sounds right. But I think you had the Cardinals second. I think you still had them making the playoffs. Yeah. So, something to watch out for. Should be interesting. Shohei pitching and batting in an American League game is weird for me. Why? He's been doing it for a while. Because it's, like, you're still labeling him as DH, but he's not technically a DH. He's hitting for himself. So he's just the pitcher in the lineup. Which means that it's a choice that they're making, and, and it's just a weird thing. I don't know. But I guess he's used to doing that. Cause... Is there a question in there? No, it was merely an observation. Okay. Because that's the game that we're watching at the moment. In the background. So to kind of follow the trend that we started last week, we had talked about specific teams a fair amount during the show, but now we're going to focus some time on the teams that we haven't talked a lot about. Last week, we talked about the Marlins, and this week, we're going to talk about the Texas Rangers. This past week, the Texas Rangers took a series 2-1 to versus the in-division Mariners, and then extended their division lead by winning a series 3-1 to against the A's. They currently have a four-game lead on the Houston Astros. Um, so why we haven't been talking about them, I don't really know. It's, that's fantastic news. And they are doing it without the Grom for the last three times through the rotation, I think. We talked a little bit about Nathan Eovaldi stepping up last week, but we didn't really talk about it in the context of how the team is performing. So I was looking through the standings before we started recording, and that kind of popped out to me that they have a four-game lead on the Astros because... While the Astros aren't at full strength, it's still kind of crazy that they're not leading the division because on paper, I would think that even without Altuve, that they would be they would be leading the division. I guess Altuve was no small loss. You can't make that joke. Why not? I said something like that last week. Honestly, I would much rather the Rangers do well than the Astros. So, fine by me. Keep doing what you're doing, guys. I'd like the Mariners to be in the mix. But, yeah, they don't seem like they're really at the point where they could contend for the division right now. I mean, it's still early. But if you're losing series against teams in your division, it's not, not great. And while we're talking about the AL West, the Angels have been doing pretty well also. And right now they're up 9-4 to four against the Orioles, who we just talked about being the second best record in the league and taking a series against the Rays. So, Shohei going Shohei. Okay. Okay. Okay, Shohei. 
Speaking again of the Rays. The Rays and the Yankees battled it out in the Bronx and split a series two games to two. Only one of the games was not competitive, which was an eight to two Rays win in the series opener. Uh, the Rays were leading both middle of both middle games of the series by multiple runs, but could not withstand the Yankees' comebacks. The most shocking of which came in a game Rays ace Shane McClanahan started, which was on Saturday. The Rays had a six-run lead entering the bottom of the fifth inning, but McClanahan gave up two two-run homers, one of which to Aaron Judge, which was his first since returning from the I.L., the Rays' bullpen kept the damage to four runs in that inning, but the Yankees roared back in the f- sixth with five more runs, and the Rays just couldn't recover. And they ended up losing that game by one run. Yeah, so the 8-2 to two win that was on Thursday was the only game that was decided by more than one run. Oh. That they've played. The whole year or just this series? The whole season. Interesting. Confirmed that their only game that was decided by more than one run was this past Thursday in that Raising Yankees series. It's pretty crazy. Right. It was all like 6-5 and 3-2. The ones this series were all pretty high scoring. It does seem like the Rays get involved in a lot of high scoring series. We just prefer when it's only us scoring high. Do you have any more that you want to say about the Rays Yankees series? I didn't get to watch it. Well, that's good for you because it was really fucking stressful. I was driving to Jacksonville to visit my mom for Mother's Day. And I had the game on Saturday, which McClanahan is one of my favorite players. And to see him have like a really good shutdown kind of performance for the first four innings, and then when we had a six-run lead, he just fell apart. It was not great for my stress levels. And um, when they scored five runs in the sixth inning, and really took the took a solid lead i had to turn it off because i was um fearful that if i continued to listen to it that i was going to really boil over and potentially crash my car my car the car it is our car i'm glad that you didn't do that it was stressful for me thinking about you listening to this game while driving to see your mom Wow, I'm just in Savannah. Just in Savannah? What what does that mean? I don't know. You said it. I'm just in Savannah, unable to assist you with anything. I can't drive for you. I can't console you. I wouldn't be able to get there if you crashed and died. It was actually kind of cathartic because I didn't have to filter anything. Because there's no one else around, so I was just, like, screaming curses, and then my car was driving. If you call it my car one more time, I'm going to beat you. And when I'm driving it, it's my car. 
No. Yes. It is always our car. Okay. I was driving the car. Just call it the Jeep. That's what everyone else called it. Okay. Screaming, screaming loud things in the car. Profanities in the Jeep. Yep. The Jeep's probably like, wow, we don't usually hear this kind of talk. Mom drives it. She's a perfect angel. I'm sure. I'm sure you never road rage at other people. I road rage a lot less than I used to. Gone soft in your old age. Yep. Gotta do what you gotta do. It was weird because the McClanahan game was like a carbon copy reversal of the game that we went to last weekend where Garrett Cole started. Yankees got out to a 6 nothing lead. The Rays came back and tied it around the 5th or 6th inning. Cole was taken out. And the Rays took the lead. We don't love to see it. Wait, no, that we do like. In that order, we like it, but not with McClanahan having it happen. To be fair, he didn't give up the lead. He gave up the four runs, so it was 64 when he came out. But, yeah. Understood. Still don't love to see it. Anyway. Moving on. Unfortunately. On Friday night against the Pirates, the Orioles debuted their birdbath section, and Cedric Mullins homers in his last at-bat of the game to complete the cycle. That's exciting. Yeah, so the birdbath, the Orioles have a celebration they do where if a batter gets a extra base hit, then they'll do like a sprinkler dance move, dance motion. And the dugout, which it's usually uh, pitchers that aren't pitching in the game that day, like the starters who weren't starting that game, have water in their mouths and they spit the water onto the field. So the birdbath section, there's a guy with a hose named Mr. Splash that just sprays the fans every time there's a home run or a double or a triple i would hate that getting sprayed sounds really terrible but i have seen it during this game and it's really funny oh yeah because a lot of the people that are in this section are wearing like swim trunks and goggles and snorkels and stuff and mr splash has like an inner tube around him and like a hawaiian print shirt the whole thing is very funny, very entertaining, and creative, I think. Yeah, they also aren't only doing it on Friday nights like Randy Land. I feel like Randy Land should be an every night thing. I want to stay in Randy Land so bad. And the Orioles end up winning that series against the Pirates. So yeah. They kept up pace with the Rays because the Rays were having issues with the Yankees. So staying in the division... Chris Bassett earned a two-hit shutout versus one of the best lineups in baseball, the Atlanta Braves, in a 3-0 Blue Jays win, 
And the Blue Jays went on to sweep the Braves on a walk-off single by Danny Jansen on Mother's Day. I was about to say happy birthday, Mom. That was not Mother's Day. Mother's Day doesn't mean it's everyone's mother's birthday. That'd be kind of weird. Yeah. If all moms were born on the same day. Like, like you would, when you become a mom, your birthday is automatically Mother's Day. No, you just know, like, if you're not born on Mother's Day, that you're not going to be a mom. It's like a utopian thing. It's weird. Yeah. Kind of makes me want to go watch, you know, like, go read a utopian story. Okay. Like, like the uglies or something. I love it. The AL East is really fucking good. Yeah. Yes, they are. That's that's what all of these little series recaps were leading up to, leading into. So, talking about the Rays and Yankees and the Orioles and Blue Jays. Red Sox didn't really hold up their end of the bargain on the weekend series since they got swept by the Cardinals. But before that, the Red Sox were... They had a pretty big win streak going on, and they had been... Eight and two in their last ten. I think we talked about that last week. And the Braves had a AL East gauntlet of sorts. The Braves had three straight series against the Orioles, Red Sox, and Blue Jays over the past week or so. They won the series against the Orioles two games to one. The series win was on a walk-off, and I think it was 14 innings. And then they played a two-game set against the Red Sox at home, and they split that one-to-one, and then they were swept by the Blue Jays. So the Braves, who are or were the best record in the National League before this week passed, went 3-5 and against the AL East in that span. I mean, if I was not in the AL East, if I personally didn't play for an AL East team, Hmm. I would hate to play against the AL East. But I do happen to play for an AL East team, so it's okay. Oh, which one do you play for? The Blue Jays, duh. Okay, yeah, so the AL East is the best division in baseball. That's... That's clear. Every team is over 500. It's still the only division where that's the case. Teams that before the year were that were expected to be really great are not that great. And I, the only other division that was talked about in the same league as the AL East is the NL East, and the Mets are really dropping that end of the bargain. We'll get to that later. And then maybe the other one, NL West. But yeah, they're they're not not good either. The Padres were supposed to be doing a lot better than they are. Still three games under five hundred. I mean, to be under five hundred at all, if you're the Padres, is a disappointment right now. They're on a five game losing streak. Yeah, the AL East doesn't have any competition for best division. And with the 
everyone plays everyone's schedule, everyone is seeing it. Good. Be afraid. Zach Grinke did a cool thing. In the American League National League history, he has become only the fifth pitcher to strike out 1,000 different batters. That's a lot. That's a lot. I was trying to, like, conceptualize this because there are usually about 13 or 14 different position players on a roster. And... He plays, well, before this year, I don't really know how many different teams each team played. I think there's only a handful of interleague teams that you would play every year, so you would play at least 14 other teams regularly who have 14 different players, but you might not see all 14 of those players in a season because the other four or five are bench guys and they just kind of rotate through. So it's just wild to try to think about how that happens, you know, because he's played for how many years? I want to say around 20. Doesn't even look that old. He's 39, though. Yikes. He, his MLB debut was in 2004. Okay, so not 20, but 19. <laughs> that's pretty close. Wow. That's crazy. It's a long time. I don't know. It was just the math of that in my head. What I was trying to... <laughs> I was like, okay, nine different guys, 29 other teams, and then 19 seasons. Good for him. By striking out the Brewers rookie outfielder, Joey, Joey Weimer, Grinky became the fifth pitcher ever to strike out 1,000 different players, joining Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson, Greg Maddox, and Roger Clemens. It's pretty good list. Good company, for sure. He should be really proud of himself. That sounded sarcastic. I really meant that. That's a cool thing to be a part of. Yeah, like Nolan Ryan was striking out players' kids that he struck out when he first started his career. <laughs> that would be really cool. I'm looking up a baseball almanac thing. Nolan Ryan had 5,714 strikeouts. I'm not really sure how many Grinky has. 2,914. I wanted to say it was around 3,000. Yeah. Cy Young had 2,803. Do you want to hear a fun fact about Cy Young? Yeah, go ahead. He never won a Saw Young in his career, despite being so good. It's pretty embarrassing. Couldn't have been that good. On a real note, though, you know who actually never won a Saw Young? That is probably the best pitcher in baseball ever. Nolan Ryan. Never won one. Haven't we talked about this before? And then I said something embarrassing. I don't know what she said. Whether or not you believe it. Whether I believe it or not, the Nationals and Mets game on Saturday was postponed due to weather. But not until they put several fans through a four-hour delay with no information offered over the Nationals PA system 
until a message appeared on the video board saying the game would be played as part of a split doubleheader the following day. Yeah, so they were working on the field. They decided like they weren't postponing the game, and then the rain just started getting heavier and heavier, and they took too long to put the tarp over the field because by the time they put the tarp on, there was already massive puddles on the infield. And when they took the tarp off, it was too muddy and like not really safe and slick. So they tried to put like quick dry and dirt over it, but they weren't able to salvage it. And they finally came to a decision that they weren't going to play it, but it seemed as if the decision had been made way sooner, but it just wasn't communicated. Like there, there were no updates whatsoever. And then of course the following day was mother's day. So no one's going to want to come back for a game at four thirty in the afternoon when they have plans with their family more than likely already. Like normally if you're going to do a, a double header, you would probably put the one that was postponed in front of the next one instead of the other way around. But they put, they had the following game scheduled for like one thirty or something, so they put the postponed game to 4.30. That's yuck. Yeah. That would make me pretty mad. I was going to make a joke when you said that they um, put several fans through a four-hour weather delay. But not all of them. Some of them only had like a three-hour delay. What? The way that you phrase it. Not until putting several fans through a four-hour weather delay. Several, but not all. Some of them only had a three-hour delay. You know what else would make fans pretty mad? Their teams sucking. Of, of one of those teams. The Mets ended up splitting that series against the Nationals, who, by the way, are not good. Nationals are not good. I had no idea. Apparently so, the Mets. it's four games. They split the series. The final game of the series was today. They lost 10-3. to The Mets have not won a series since April 19th. In that time, they have only played one series against a team with a winning record. It's per talking baseball. He's going to make this next series. Never mind. I'm not going to jinx it. They start a series against the... MLB best record raised tomorrow. And having just said that stat about them not winning a series against a team with a winning record or winning any series since April 19th, it just kind of seems like one of those things where the Rays are going to lose a series to them because that's just what happens in my experience with the Rays. It's like, oh, a team hasn't done this and how long? Oh, it's going to happen against the Rays. Like, the Rays have been on the end of the most no-hitters, I think, in MLB history. I didn't know that. I, I'm pretty sure I heard that last year when they got no-hit by the Angels. I would love to watch a no-hitter. It almost did last year. I know, and it stressed me out. It was almost a perfect game. Orioles had to screw it up. Straight. So for as good as the Rays are, 
it would suck really bad to be a loser fucking organization. Yeah. It it really would. Especially when like one of the game's current best players is saying that about you. In the Phillies and Rockies series, there was a bench clearing situation where Bryce Harper called the Rockies a loser fucking organization. He's not wrong. Yeah, but does he have to say it to their face? Were there punches thrown? No. Dang. No. It was kind of funny, though, because it was on Mother's Day that this happened. None of their mothers are proud of their behavior yesterday. The last thing we're going to talk about today, things that would make your mothers proud. Doing chores. Vacuuming. Sweeping. Sweeping. The Dodgers swept the Padres, who are now on a, was it, six-game losing streak? Five. Five-game losing streak. And the Dodgers have won every game against the Padres since the crying Kershaw meme was put on the scoreboard in their last series against each other. You know what this is? This is fucking karma. Who's karma? It's karma against the Padres. The Padres put the meme up, right? Mm-hmm. And then they can't beat the Dodgers? Mm-hmm. So it's karma. Yeah. What's confusing about it? I was making a joke. I said, who is karma? Karma's my boyfriend. It's a Taylor Swift lyric. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that. Anyway, the Dodgers, with their sweep of the Padres, surpassed the Braves for the best record in the National League since we did discuss the Braves got swept by the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays. When you say it like that, it almost sounds like Deblooms. Deblooms. That guy in the front row had a Mariners jersey on. I guess he just showed up to root against the Angels. Are we fighting? Did you just call him out? Or... Distraction. Disgrace. Lots of nodding and gesturing going on. I think that as an umpire, I'd probably be a little terrified if Mike Trout was, like, talking to me in a way that could seem animated. Because he looks, he's not, like, a huge guy, but he looks pretty compact and whatever. He was, like, still talking to him. He was had his arm, had his arm around his waist as he was walking to first. Oh, wait, he's got a chance to hit for the cycle. Otani is up in the top of the ninth inning with a chance to hit for a cycle. I didn't see what he needed, though. He said his last one was against the Rays in 2019. 2019. Well, swinging like that's not going to get you anything. Did you see what he needed to get? No, I didn't. Because otherwise we'd have to rewind it. <laughs> So Otani needed a double for the cycle. He only just flicked a single out to left field. But he had four hits in the game. And a walk. And a walk. And also pitched seven innings. 
the announcers just said that he hit the hardest ball, he hit the furthest ball, and he threw the hardest ball because he was on base five times but also pitched seven innings. And they they said that the scoreboard operator put something up on the scoreboard with a a stat or no they said it over the PA system some some stat about him doing something that hadn't been done since somebody played against the Washington Senators so yeah as i said earlier in the show Shohei doing Shohei things okay Shohei Shohei okay Shohei <laughs> Really got that out before you started laughing. Okay, shoke, Otana Joke. I want you guys all to know that he said that and then immediately looked at the computer screen to make sure that it was recording. That's all we have for you. This episode is probably going to be cut down to about 37 minutes. There's like a long haired Ruben, Donald Jacob Ruben. Doing the Macarena in a rally cap on the screen right now. And um, probably like three of our listeners are going to know who Donald Jake Rubin is. Does Rubin even listen? I don't think he does, but. Wow, what a jerk. I'll make sure to mention to him that he's been talked about in more than one episode now and he's not even listening. So we said at the beginning of the show that there were no fangrams. But I would like to do a shout-out, blanket shout-out to everyone who's mom. All versions of moms. And all the motherfuckers. That's next month. Yeah, no motherfuckers this time. Um, dog moms, cat moms. Good moms, bad moms. One moms, two moms. Bad moms is a movie. We hope that you had a wonderful Mother's Day. Especially shout out to my mom because she was so kind to not be bothered when we elected to have my after the wedding bachelorette party over Mother's Day weekend instead of going to spend the weekend with her. And we Are you had sure she wasn't bothered? That's what I was told. I didn't plan <laughs> it, I don't know. But we love her and we love all of the moms out there. Thanks for everything that you do. That's all we wrote. And by we, I mean he. We'll see you guys again next week. This has been the Baseball and Train Podcast. Till death do us baseball. Goodbye. Goodbye.